0: Welcome to Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. Here's your host, Ben Wilson. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. I'm your host, Ben Wilson, and I'm joined today by my podcast host, Farley, who um, some of you may know has assumed the co-hosting duties of Rodney the Bulldog recently. But we're back to to having the podcast now because I've been on a bit of a sabbatical Due to me doing my MBA at University of Kentucky online, and it was kind of hard to do school and this and be a lawyer. But I'm very excited to get it started again with a very special guest, Mr. Brad Upton, who is one of the top comedians in the United States right now. He is the king of dry bar comedy. He is super funny, and he is one of our headliners for the Kentucky Comedy Festival that I'm organizing at Murray State University on October 19th and 20th. And we're thrilled to have Brad on the show. So please give a big welcome to Brad Upton. Brad, thanks for being on the show.
1: Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the. I'm looking forward to uh, coming to Kentucky.
0: Yeah, have you ever performed in Kentucky before? Because I know you've performed a lot in Nashville,
1: uh, Louisville. I performed at. Let me think. Right off the Louisville, I performed <laughs> a couple of times. Um, that might be it. That yeah, might was be that
0: it. was that at the Louisville Comedy Club?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. Yeah, I know they have the Louisville Comedy Club there. And um, then in Lexington, where University of Kentucky is, they have, I think it's called Comedy Off-Broadway. Right. It's about, about the same size. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, I was fortunate to attend one of your shows in uh, Orlando. We got to meet. And I mean, you had a packed house and you had the audience laughing all night. And so... um I guess, give me, uh, how how did you start getting into comedy? Because I know that you're a teacher for many years.
1: Yeah, well, it was way back in the early 80s, and uh, there wasn't much, you know, comedy obviously wasn't as, uh, it was popular, but there just weren't as many places to perform so uh, as there are today. And um, I drove all the way to Seattle, which is 200 miles away. I drove to Seattle on a Tuesday night and did an open mic. And uh, I'd been wanting to do it for years. I just didn't have the guts to give it a shot. So I finally drove to Seattle and I did an open mic. And the first time I got on stage, it went great. So uh, I was encouraged to go back because, you know, (laughs) if I'd have gone up there and bombed, I might not have ever gone up there again.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I guess that's really how people get their start is, comedians uh, or as a comedian as they go to these open mics and just uh give it a shot and see what happens
1: right that's how everybody starts yeah you have to get up there and give it a shot
0: so after you um got in the rhythm what was your comedy career like in the 80s
1: well i started uh in september 84 and it's easier now to start and get and start doing it full-time it's easier it was easier then than it is now it's just not as you know, it was, there was a lot more work and it paid better then than it does now. Oh, wait, really, and there were, and there were fewer people around. Uh, so I was able to quit teaching in June of 86, uh, within, uh, I hadn't even been doing comedy about a year, eight, about a year and a half a year and less than two years. I've been doing comedy when I quit teaching to do it full time. And I've been doing it full time ever since.
0: Wow. Well, that that's pretty funny. Um, I want to ask about your teaching career because my mom's a teacher and a lot of the listeners on my podcast are teachers. That has got to uh, provide you a lot of material for your comedy routine.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, when I first started, that was exactly what I did. I just talked about teaching fourth grade. That was my that was most of my material. And people always think, uh, oh, that must have been weird going from fourth grade to comedy. I go, not really. It's the same skill set. You got a bunch of obnoxious (laughs) 10 year olds and you got a bunch of drunks. It's really the same (laughs) job it's the yeah. same job it's the same skill set
0: so um so i know during your career you've worked with a lot of uh, different comedians and different celebrities who are some of your uh, the highlights of your career that you've worked with and who are some of your uh, favorite ones to work with
1: uh comics or or, or anybody or, or-
0: anybody because i saw on your website you work uh, not only with uh, a lot of top comedians like joan rivers but also like dolly parton and a lot of the uh, the comedy or the country music artists.
1: Yeah, a lot of singers. I've, I've been opening for Johnny Mathis for 15 years, and he's oh, wow. absolutely okay. legendary, and I've been doing that for 15 years, and he is the nicest man in the world, and he can still sing, and it's all first class, everything about it. That, so that's been an absolute thrill. I, uh, I worked with, comedy-wise, I worked with the Smothers Brothers a number of times, and I worked mm-hmm. with um, Joan Rivers a number of times too so that was always a thrill and they were as nice as could be the smothers brothers was the funnest because tommy after the show tommy always wanted to hang out and drink some scotch and get into a little bit of trouble so uh that was that was a fun going out you know hanging out with tommy smothers
0: yeah no that that's pretty um awesome because of course the smothers brothers i mean led a legendary comedy duo for many many years and of course joan rivers Really, I mean, I guess she was the first late night uh, talk show host. She filled in for Johnny Carson for many years and then, of course, had the opportunity to have her own show. And then um, she had, um, I guess, a resurgence a little bit later, too. And she hosted the show with her daughter, Melissa, for many years.
1: Yeah, she was great. She was a sweet, sweet lady and a great comic.
0: Yeah. Um, So you've been in the business for a long, long time but you really hit it big with dry bar comedy. That's how I've found out about you. And I like dry bar comedy because I like the clean comedians like you. Um, and dry bar comedy has been a real blessing for a lot of comedians, but I guess you're the king of dry bar comedy because your, your take on millennials got what over 90 million views. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. It's about 90 million. Yeah, it's over 90 million. And uh, uh, that kind of, they'll tell you this it kind of put dry bar on the map people didn't really know what dry bar was or, or any much about it until that thing all of a sudden had when they first dropped it it got 12 million views in uh 48 hours and it had 33 million views in 10 days so mm. all of a sudden people are like what is this format so they started you know and then dry bar really grew after that because a yeah. bunch of people found dry bar
0: well that would be, would be me because i found yeah. it here in a pandemic And um, I think you were one of the first ones I saw. And of course, I mean, it was amazing. And all our audience should definitely go to your website, at BradUpton.com, and uh, check that out. And they can go to YouTube and follow you on social media, at BradUptonComedy, with all that. But I saw Eric O'Shea, who's performing on the Thursday night show on Dry Bar Comedy. Um, Mark Klein, who's a Mm -hmm. Kentucky comedian. I found him from Dry Bar Comedy. Trying to think. Um, I think those are the only. Oh, Kevin Farley. Uh right. he he was on dry bar comedy because I didn't know about I knew he was Chris Barley's brother, but I didn't know he was a stand-up comic. And so then right. I saw his act. I was like, wow, you know, he, he was pretty good. And they've I mean had many, many stars on there. So that's really awesome. Now you've done a couple of specials for dry bar, right?
1: Yeah, I did one. I uh, taped the first one in January of 2017, but it didn't blow up until June of 2018. And then I taped one uh, just a year ago. It was in May. Uh, I taped it, and they released it last July. So it's been out less than a year.
0: Yeah, that's the uh, You're Not Done Yet tour Correct. special, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. That was awesome, too. Well, I know, like I said, when I saw you in Orlando, uh, you were sold out. Um, you were hilarious. You had the crowd going all night. And you've got a very full schedule going on right now. Talk about um, your tour on the road and also your uh, big new theater tour that you announced called uh, let me make sure I say it right. Tap out, nap out, and crap out.
1: Right, right. That's the uh that's the name of the tour. Um I love the name. Yeah, it's a punchline of one of my jokes. I don't know if you know the jokes, but uh it's one of the punchlines in a joke. And uh it's the same show that I've been doing in it, it's we've just named it and putting it in theaters right now. So that's starting to blow up. The first uh I have a couple next weekend in Topeka and Dubuque, Iowa. The first time we're going out as that tour, that's next weekend. Yeah. And uh, I have dates now all over the country. I have, I'm about to announce a couple more. I shouldn't even know. I'm not going to announce them here. I'm not supposed to yet, but uh, yeah. just say they're in New Hampshire. I'll, I'll tell them that much.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I did see on there, you've got uh, performances in New York City, in Washington, D.C., um, several in Las Vegas. You know, of course, they can't top the Kentucky Comedy Festival performance. No, that's right. I have
1: dates in uh, August. I'm doing two nights in Singapore and one night in London. Oh, wow. Yeah, so So, I'm looking forward to that.
0: So um, can you talk a little bit about the life of a comedian, though? Because you're constantly on the road, and I would think that would be kind of a tough to always be on the road in a different city and remember where you're at, stuff like that. And plus to be funny every night. I mean, what if you don't feel like being funny?
1: Well, that's a case that can happen. Um, You know, the travel isn't as bad. I don't know. I don't maybe because I've done it for so long. The traveling doesn't bother me that much. I know a lot of people think isn't that stressful. I go no because I travel constantly. People that don't travel very much, once or twice a year, going to the airport is stressful for them. When when you're doing it four times a week, it's really not. And I have uh, clear and TSA pre check, so I go right through, and then I can get into and I can get into, I can get into a lounge in any airport. And so, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not awful. Um, but I have, uh, recently several times because I'm touring so much right now. I literally go back to the hotel. I walk up, I go, I've been in five hotels in five nights. Can you tell me what room I'm in? I don't remember. I do not remember what room I'm in. So they have to look it up and tell me where to go. But Yeah. yeah, as far as not feeling funny, that that's a real thing. I mean, uh, in uh november of 1998 i did two shows in las vegas uh one night when after i found out earlier that day that my dad had passed away so oh my uh, gosh you got to go up i mean you still got a show to do and that it was uh it was a bit surreal but uh i did the show the shows were great it was an odd odd evening but um because my mind wasn't you know it wasn't really focused but you know once you hit the stage you you get focused but yeah you don't you don't feel very funny up until that point and then it's it's showtime and if you're professional you pull it off
0: right now if i remember right you did a lot with um comedy central back in the day i think or no it was in seattle i think you were like on a news station you were like the news reporter or something oh
1: yeah that show was called uh uh the john report with bob it it, it almost live was on for Oh man, about eighteen years here in mm-hmm. Seattle and it was a sketch comedy show. And then when they the last two years they jumped over to the CBS affiliate and they renamed it uh the the John Report with Bob. But I did a lot of writing on there and then I did these rants. I sat and did rants every uh week on camera. They were pretty fun.
0: Well, speaking of rants, you're you're known for having rants about the millennials. So so why are millennials so annoying to you?
1: Uh, they don't really annoy me, but, uh, I, I guess I, I don't think, <laughs> but man, when it went so, uh, when it went so viral, I, I struck a nerve with people. So I went, okay, I'm going to keep mine in that one. I still do some stuff about millennials and Gen Z, but I make fun of boomers too. I think yeah. that's what people like too. I make fun of boomers. I can, I have to kick them too.
0: Well, I like your lines, uh, about the, the drivers and, uh, what was it? If you come, cause in Vieira, Florida, where I live, we have roundabouts, and you oh. have a segment about roundabouts, and, and I hate the roundabouts. We have we affectionately refer to it as the circle of death because <laughs> it's it's one of those um, roundabouts that has two lanes as well, and it's all right. going around. So it's kind of confusing. Some people will get in the outer lane, and they're supposed to maybe go two turns on it, but they'll go all the way around, or some people never leave or whatever. And I love your line. Well, well I'll let you tell the line about the the roundabouts and your disdain for them, but, well, but how to encourage people to get in and out. Yeah,
1: jump in. It's like a revolving door. Jump in and don't get hit in the butt um, and hit, pick out a hole and hit that thing like an NFL running back. The sign says yield, not surrender. You know, <laughs> That's the thing. People, they just built them and they didn't tell anybody how they work. And the people have a tendency to be really passive when they come up to those. And they really work better. If you're mm-hmm. slightly aggressive, do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. If, you're, yeah. if you're assertive, if you jump in and go, that's how they, but everybody wants to slow down and give everybody four car lengths. And it's no, that's not how they work. You're supposed to just slide in and slide out and not get hurt.
0: Yeah. You got to hit, you got to hit the hole, just like what you said. Yeah, you exactly. About. Cause the roundabouts, they really are starting to be a, the FDOT, um, well, Florida department of transportation approves um uh, they encourage them and they're going to be adding more of them. But it's that way in my hometown in Paducah near Murray. They're wanting to add them near where my parents are. And they're like, this is stupid. We don't need a roundabout, which I can see their point there because it's a lot of big 18 wheelers going through there. Right. and stuff. But but it's a, a thing that people are having to get used to because technically they do flow traffic more because you're not stopping at a stoplight for like two minutes or so.
1: Yeah. Well, they should have put out when they should, have, when they built them, they should have done uh, public service announcements. They should have covered the television with those things and tell people and the internet about how they work and how you're supposed to drive them. But they didn't, they just built them and let people, you know, it's so funny. There's so many places where they took out a four way stop, put in a roundabout, and now it's still a four-way stop.
0: Yeah. Well, and I love your lines, too, um, about, I think, what was it? Um, you Because in Kentucky, we have a lot of two-lane roads. So one lane going one way, one going the other. And you can't pass unless if there's a yellow solid line. Right. Like, Man, have you ever been? By, I think your line was something like, you've been behind these people, and they just won't go. And then you see this guy going, just passing about 10 people. All in a row, you're like, look, that idiot. Well, you're that guy.
1: I'm that guy. Yes, I know how to pass. I put on a passing clinic every time I'm out driving on (laughs) two highways. There's no, that's the other thing. People come up behind somebody, they don't even make an attempt to pass. They just stay behind them for eight or 10 miles. The other thing people don't understand you can go over the speed limit when you pass. That's perfectly legal. Yeah. But some people, you know, if it's 50, and they want to pull out, they don't want to go over 50 miles an hour while they're passing. It's okay to go 75 while you're passing. It's okay. It's perfectly legal.
0: Well, and the other thing about it, even if it was illegal, it's not a problem unless you get caught.
1: Right. That's Yeah, that's the other thing.
0: (laughs) But, um, well, see, in Western Kentucky, we have a lot of ag areas and stuff, and uh, we also have a a pretty decent-sized Amish community, so we have signs that will be like, You know, you got to be careful for tractors on the road or the Amish carts. And I've been behind a few of those. You can't go 75 passing by the Amish cart, but you can go a little.
1: Yeah, exactly. 35
0: will get the job
1: done. Right. But don't wait. Go.
0: Just pick a spot and go. Well, exactly. Well, if you're behind that cart to a horse buggy too long, you may get a gift you don't want.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: So um, who are some of your uh, comedian inspirations? that got you into comedy?
1: Well, when I was a little kid, we had comedy albums in the house. I mean, we had the Smothers Brothers and we had, uh, we had, um, uh, Bill Cosby albums and, uh, we had them in the house when I was a little kid. And then, um, same way when I got older, the first comedian I ever saw live when I was 15 years old was George Carlin. And uh, that was a big deal. He was at the height of his popularity. And, uh, I think that was the night I kind of got the bug because I remember sitting there at 15 years old and um, it was just before the show, it was just a microphone and it was just a stool and a pitcher of water. And I remember just thinking, man, this guy's just going to come out here with nothing but that microphone and entertain this entire theater. And it just yeah. fascinated me that that's what he was going to do. And maybe that's the night I decided, boy, I want to do that. You know what I yeah. mean? You don't- You don't have anything that makes you. I was kind of quiet at that point My I was 15 years old. There was nothing in my life that made you think I was going to be a comedian, but I ended up doing it.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I know growing up for me, um, we were big fans of John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd, the Blues Brothers. And, of course, when John Belushi passed away, I think that was 82, so I was five. But I wasn't obviously old enough to know them on Saturday Night Live until i saw the reruns and everything but um i know that that was a tremendous change in comedy and like george carlin uh richard pryor a lot of those uh, folks in the 70s because before it was a lot of the variety shows and they'd have like the dean martin variety show right. and uh, who was it the tonight show with johnny carson was kind of a variety show the jackie Gleason variety show and then you know you had belushi and Aykroyd and chevy chase and then bill murray they uh uh, well, Lauren Michaels, too, of course, as the founder of it, but they really changed comedy. And then you got more into um, another change in the 80s when they transitioned into films. And so you had like Caddyshack with Chevy Chase and Rodney Dangerfield, who's one of right. my personal favorites, um, started to do more movies and stuff. So it's been interesting to see how it, it has changed. Um, you were saying that comedians getting into the business now have it harder than back when you started. Why is that? Because we have social media now and all that.
1: Uh, well, nothing pays. I mean, all the gigs, yeah. the, the one nighters around the bars and stuff, those used to pay, uh-huh. uh, you know, when you went into a, a, just a bar gig, it was the MC got 75 bucks and the middle act got a hundred and the headliner got 175. Well, yeah. now all these comics everywhere around the country, they run open mics and they, they don't pay anybody. So no one's getting paid and you can't get, and they only give guys two or three or four minutes and nobody ever gets a chance to do 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And very few of the gigs pay any money or not enough to make a living. When I was doing it, you could get a string of one nighters and crappy bars, but you could make $500 a week. You know what I mean? And at the time, Mm. 35 years ago, you could make, you could get by on that.
0: Yeah. Well, I do know, um, there are a lot of comedians now that have blown up on Netflix, um, and so it seems like that's a good way to help people um, make it big and dry bar comedy and and stuff. But I guess too, like you said,
1: but you have I find to be pretty too- good before you get a gig like that. You have to be a pretty yeah. good comic, and somewhere you have to go work a lot to get good. And now it's just hard to get to work a lot. Yeah. Nobody develops the way they should.
0: Well, I was. That's kind of why I wanted to start. The, um, The comedy festival, because I lived in Miami for many years as a real estate lawyer there, and they had the South Beach Comedy Festival with Comedy Central. And so they'd have them all through Miami Beach. And of course, you'd have some big acts come in, like a Dave Chappelle or a David Spade. I think Louis Black um, was there. Who else was there? Um, I think Chris Rock King. But then they'd have the smaller comedians come and perform. And um, the improv, down like in West Palm Beach and now Miami and Orlando and stuff, they bring in several comedians. But I guess, even to book a job at the improv, you got to be pretty good.
1: Oh yeah, you got to be. You've been doing it for years. You know, you mentioned Chappelle and Lewis Black and David Spade, and I don't know who else you you mentioned right there. But all those guys worked in the clubs in the eighties. They worked a lot. They got really good. Um, yeah. Did a lot of repetitions. And to get a gig in the in, in any of the improvs, you're pretty established just to get hired in the improv. That those aren't those aren't nobodies.
0: Yeah. Well, I do know that um, I think you've worked with Tammy Pescatelli. She's on the night that you're there. So uh, I saw her and she was very, very funny. Um, And I know you're also good friends with Leanne Morgan. And she did very, very well in Paducah when she performed. And now she's blown up. Oh, she's Um, blown up big. So so that's good. But you've been doing a lot more in Nashville at the Opry. Uh, Talk about working at the Opry. Because I know a lot of the listeners in my area, we're only two hours from Nashville, and so a lot of people go down there and um some people may not have even been to the Opry before, but they think it's just country music, but apparently it's not because I mean, you've been there and a lot of other comedians.
1: Well, it's got a long history. The Opry has a long history of uh, having comedy. I mean, uh, many oh, okay. Grandpa Jones and uh, oh yeah. string bean string bean uh, i can't remember and then little jimmy dickens and uh you know that so there's always been back then they were more hokey corn pone goofy kind of acts but there's always been a comedy element at the grand old opry that they would have uh somebody that come out and make you laugh so that's Mm -hmm. always been the history of the opry and they still do it to this day but they're very particular about who they put up there's only a handful of guys that that get to go on stage because it's such a specific audience and it's an absolute thrill and honor. I just, last, last Friday night, I did my 17th appearance there and, uh, Mm -hmm. to walk out of the Grand Ole Opry and stand in that circle on Friday or Saturday night is a big deal.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned Minnie Pearl, I guess when I think of Grand Ole Opry, she's the first person I think of. And of course she was comedy. I was thinking more musical, but yeah. Um, there's another guy, Henry Cho. I think performs there a lot too.
1: He just but got like, inducted as a member.
0: Yeah. So what does it mean if he's a member? Is that like their Hall of Fame?
1: Yes, exactly. You belong to the you belong to the uh, grand old Opry. I mean it's a it's an absolute honor to get, and then you go up on the plaque, and then you have to also you have to perform there four times a year when you're a member. But yeah. uh, he performs there more than that. He lives in Nashville, so he goes up quite a bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've, I've discovered him doing all this research with my comics.
1: Yeah, Henry's great, he's been around forever. He did the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson way back in the 80s and he blew up back then.
0: Well, I didn't know it until I was researching him, but um, he was in Revenge of the Nerds.
1: Yeah, that sounds yeah, right. Was,
0: and um, so there are a lot of good clean um, comics out there, and uh, to me, I just think it's more refreshing when you have clean comedians there because if I go and hear a comedian and it's you know, f this and f that the whole time, or a lot of the time, it just kind of turns me off. Are you seeing that kind of a trend uh, in your line? With Are the you towards cleaner? Yeah,
1: yeah, I think so because you know the the other thing about being clean is you can work a lot. I mean, I do a lot of corporate. For years, I've been doing corporate events and. It can be quite lucrative and then i opened for johnny mathis for 15 years you can't come out to johnny mathis's audience and be dirty he won't you know that'll be it and joan rivers liked me because i was clean because she was very blue but she wanted the opener (laughs) to be clean same way with mother's brothers and when i first started i just figured at some point my mom was going to come see me, and I didn't want to hear her bitching after the show and complaining and scolding me about stuff she'd heard, right? So that's yeah. kind of how I start out. I, yeah, I got a couple of things that are slightly naughty. I don't do them in my act anymore. And, and on my dirtiest night, I was never very dirty. But uh, it's a crutch if you're just using F this, F this, F this. Sometimes in a certain joke, if it just shows how angry you are, it could be yeah. funny. But... Uh, just repeating it over and over and over, or the contents. A lot of, a lot of young comics now. Their content is all nasty.
0: Yeah, I I think well, when you said it's a crutch, that's one hundred percent right. Because I feel like whenever someone uses that language a lot, it's that they're not creative enough to use another
1: term. Exactly. Um,
0: so, well, um, I am thrilled to have you as part of the Kentucky Comedy Festival. Um, I know our our, our audiences. Very um, excited to see you, especially since you haven't been in this area. And um, we're, we're thrilled. And like I said, I think you're one of the funniest comedians out there. Um, because honestly, um, I think I told you this at the show, but um, I'd seen who was Jim Gaffigan the week before. And then there was another big name comedian. Oh, Nate Bragazzi was another one, too. And they were fine. But I didn't laugh near as hard at their shows as I did at yours.
1: Oh, well, that's high praise and I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, that's yeah. high praise. Those are big names. So
0: they're they're big names, but you, in my opinion, you made me, or well, not in my opinion, you did make me laugh a whole lot more. And I'm just so excited that you had before the show and that you're doing very well. And I'm very excited about your tour. So um, for the audience members out there, please make sure you follow Brad online. Um, his Instagram is at, at Brad Opton Comedy and his website is bradopton.com. And of course, buy your tickets at the Kentucky Comedy Festival at KentuckyComedyFestival.com. That's October twenty first. Uh, I am sorry, October twentieth, which is a Friday night, seven thirty. So you have time to get off work, eat dinner, come see the show. And our show is selling pretty good right now. We're over uh, over a third sold out, and we're several months out. Good. So, so we're going to sell out. So Brad, um, any parting words for? Uh, The audience members uh, that you'd like to leave?
1: Well, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, Kentucky in October, there's no better time weather-wise, I'm guessing, than than about the mid-October. That's got to be the perfect time of year. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm coming in a couple of days early so I can see the other comics. That's the nice thing about working a festival, too, is you get to see some people that you uh, know, and you don't get to see them very often. You don't get to work with them very often. So it's fun to see them and hang out. And uh, you'll see it in the shows. You'll see that everybody's having a good time, and it's going to be a great show. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to having you. You know, we'll tour you around a little bit in Kentucky, let you see some sites and things like that. So if you're a golfer or fishing or something like that, um, those are big things we have in our area that you can do. Plus, just being on campus would be like Rodney Dangerfield going back to school. <laughs> yeah. You might get some yeah. material. To I'll go
1: wander around. I like campuses. Campuses are cool. I mean, I just like the vibe of them. It's cool. It makes me want to be young and go back to school. Well,
0: hey, I'm going back to do my MBA as well as being a lawyer, and I'm 46. So you just never know. You may want to go back to school. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, um, so anyway, our comedian today is Brad Upton. He is one of our headliners from the Kentucky Comedy Festival. He is one of the funniest comedians out there. So you definitely do not want to miss him, along with Tammy Pescatelli and Catherine Blanford and Kevin Farley on Friday night, October the 20th, at the Kentucky Comedy Festival. And again, you can get those tickets at KentuckyComedyFestival.com. And like I said, please follow Brad on social media. Um, at Brad Upton Comedy on Instagram, and his website is bradupton.com. Brad, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. We really appreciate you taking the time out to, to be on the show today.
1: Ben Wilson, thank you for having me, and thank you for finding me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. All right, audience. So I hope you had a, a great time listening to Brad Upton. Uh, like I said, get those tickets because you will not be disappointed when you see his show. So thanks a lot. Have a great day, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to this episode. Find us online at benandrodney.com and follow us on Instagram at benwilsonmiami.